Turning to Daniel chapter 3 this morning, please. Daniel chapter 3. Take your time and get the place. Ezekiel, Daniel, and the third chapter of Daniel. If you just open your Bible there, please, this morning. Now, this is the story of the the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm sure that you know the story from a child. They're the three that refused to bow or bend or burn at the great statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I'm not going to read all this chapter this morning, but I want to pick out some verses on our way down to a text that God has laid upon my heart for you this morning. Well, let me say this. When one comes to a fresh chapter or a fresh portion of the Word of God, there are three things specifically that we need to look for, and you young preachers would need to remember this, and those of us who read the Bible need to remember this. We have to first of all look for the primary application. What is the primary application in the portion of Scripture? Second, we must look for the practical application. And thirdly, for the prophetical application for most of all scriptures, there's a prophetical application. Now, obviously, here the primary application is the three Hebrew teenagers, because they were in their late teens, who refused to bow to the image and chose the fullness rather instead. That's the primary application of this whole chapter. The practical application is, what does it teach you and I today? What does this word say to you and I in this 21st century in which we live? Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, instruction, and righteousness. Now, what way are we going to be reproved, rebuked, exhorted this morning through this chapter? And thirdly, the prophetical application. And uh, when you come to the book of Daniel, it's full of the prophetical application. Thirteen times in this chapter, you have the name of these three children, these three Hebrew children. And that's God driving home to us that we need to take heed in these days in which we live what these men speak to us from the Word of God. Now, look at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth six 
breadth, six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now let me stop there and say to you, if you don't know, Nebuchadnezzar was the first world ruler. He ruled the whole known world. And to do that, he bludgeoned and beat all armies and all nations into subjection. And he commands them to worship him. He commands multiple faiths. Because you'll read when we go down that there were multiple faiths here. And multiple nations that he had conquered. And he commanded them to worship the statue of gold. Now, if you look at the verse, you'll see that there's a number of sixes in the verse, and we're not going into that this morning. Uh, The statue was 90 foot high, and it was nine foot broad. Six, six, it says there in that verse, 60 and six. So we all we can do then from here is go to Revelation 13, but we're not doing that this morning. Historians tell us that the sun shone on this monstrosity whenever it shone on it. It it could be seen for 13 miles in every direction. North, south, east, and west. And in the last French century, a French archaeologist found the base of it and many of the bricks of it, and it's in the museum in London. It was six miles east of Babylon on the plains of Judah. Now look at verse 2. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Because it took a month to get all gathered up. Then the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the councillors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together onto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nation, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. You know, from these days, music was having control over people. And we saw it when the Beatles and the Rolling Stones came on, they fell down by and like skittles at their feet. Well, they're still falling to music, and it's so sometimes in the church, very sadly, and it's the wrong kind of music. Verse 6, And whoso falleth not down and worship him, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, and on it goes, to verse 8, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. Now let me say this. These Chaldeans had a spite against the Jews. And they had a spite against these three Hebrew children because in the last chapter we read that they were promoted over provinces because for the sake of Daniel. 
And these boys were passed over and they were very vexed and any chance they could get they were looking to blame these, these men. And so you can see in verse 8, wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They were waiting for an opportunity to get them. Do you know what was wrong with them? They were full of jealousy. And jealousy is an awful thing. And I hope there's nobody in this congregation or listening to me this morning and you have a jealous spirit. Because I can tell you the Word of God tells us that jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And it burns like fire. You saw it in Saul as he went after David and many other times in the Scripture. And if that spirit is in any of us this morning, it needs to be confessed and forsaken and repented of. I hope you haven't a jealous spirit over somebody's house, over somebody's car, over somebody's property. I hope you're not jealous over somebody's children. And jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And, and my friend, it destroys those that have it and destroys those that it's against too in many cases. So I trust that you haven't. This, these boys were full of jealousy. And so they get these three men in before the king and the whole business is stopped. You can imagine they say that there could have been a, a quarter of a million more people gathered in the plains of Jura. And the whole band and music and all stops because there's three men. And they'll not bow down. All, all, all the rest of the Jews bow down. They were in captivity. And all the rest of the nations bowed down. All bowed down, three men stood. They were reigned in the dock before this cruel king. And I can tell you, and I'll show you in these verses, that there was no preliminaries, no small talk. None at all. There were just three words. And it's those three words that I'm going to finish my message with this morning. There was just three words that this king addressed these three men as with. He wasn't concerned about the biased Chaldeans that brought him there. He wasn't concerned about hearsay evidence of what others said about them. He faces the three of them and he names them one by one. And here's what he says to them in verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them and said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden image that I have set up. Is it true that you will not bow? Now let me give you the strength of that phrase. Could it be possible? Could it be possible, you three men, after all I have done for you, after promoting you above all my own men, after blessing you in the way that I have over provinces, that you will not bow to my image. Could it be possible that what I'm hearing is right? After all, I have done a lot for you. I lifted you from the rivers of Babylon where you were weeping and wailing and when there was no song. 
and I give you promotion and I give you job and I give you blessing. And now you embarrass me in front of all this crowd. You stop this whole procedure. But now here, he says, it's not too late. We'll start the whole thing again for your sake. We'll take the whole business back, back to scratch. Verse 14, he, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, shouting me. Verse 15, now if you be ready, in verse 15, that at what time you hear the sound of the harp. Here it is. Now here's, here's, here's the second thing. We've stopped the whole thing. We've stopped it. We're going to give you another opportunity. We're going to give you another chance. We'll give you one more chance. But what do they say? No. What, what they're actually saying here is to them, don't start it again. Be careful not. That's the word careful. It's not necessary for you to give us another chance. It's not necessary for you to start the band again and to give us another chance because we're not bound. That's the strength of it. We don't care whether you do it or whether you don't, but we're not bowing. We have done everything that you asked us to do in the government. But when it comes to this, you see, these men were brought up in the Word of God. They were captive Jews, and they knew the first commandment. And once it came to them that you'll have to break the first commandment, no, we will not bow down before any other image. Now, you hold that tight in your mind this morning. Hold it tight in your mind. Because let me say to you, let me say to you that they took their stand at this time. Matthew Henry says, all that they were asking them to do was bow their head and get up. They weren't asking them to serve them, the idol. They weren't asking them to talk to the idol. They weren't asking them to pray to the idol. All they had to do was bow their head, lift it, and away they go, and it was all over. But they said, no, we're not bowed. Now you begin to think about that this morning. Because they said, if it be so, our God whom we serve, we will not. If it be so, and we go into the fiery furnace, he is able to deliver us. And if not, if not, be it known unto thee that we will not worship. Now let me say this this morning. There are convictions and beliefs and parameters in the Christian life that are not negotiable. Do you hear that this morning? They're not negotiable at any cost. You may owe your employer a lot this morning. And he may have promoted you and give you a good job and is very good to you. But there's a line that you must not cross. Your wife or your husband, you love them with all your heart this morning. And you'll do almost anything for them. But there's a line. There's a line that you cannot cross. There's convictions that a spirit-filled man and wife have that triggers off 
the conscience and conviction in the mind, I can't do this. And when you go on to do something to please someone, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Perhaps you would have never made it in life without some, some employer, some, maybe your husband, maybe your wife. Maybe they rescued you. But there's this place when you have to say, no. No. Do you think it was easy for these young men to stand before this mighty crowd? My friend, it was not easy. But their convictions, they had convictions that they ought to obey God and not man. Ah, to God, we had more young men like this today with convictions. And the problem with many of the young Christians today is that they haven't convictions. They're not in the Word. Young man, if you come across as a Christian, you come across something in the Word of God and it draws the line and you need to obey it. For the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked believer with unbeliever. And I could ram it out a whole host of them to you this morning. And if you go down that line, you're in trouble. And the sooner you stop it, the better. It's not this nonsense that we're here sometimes. Oh, I'm praying that they'll get saved and then we'll get married. How do you know whether they'll get saved or not? You're not God. No, no, there's lines. Red lines, my friend, and markers in the sand that we must heed. Just a quick nod and away they go. No, no. No nod. No nod. And if we're walking with God and filled with the Holy Ghost, I tell you, the Holy Spirit will tell you what's right and what's wrong. And listen, when our authorities tell us that we can't sing and we can't bow and we can't pray and we can't preach, then we must say, yes, I will sing and I will stand and I will preach. And I'll not bow. And that day is coming and it's coming fast and I'll tell you there'll be a clear note. There'll be a clear note. The first commandment said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not bow down and worship another god. An old king went into an awful rage. And if you, I haven't time this morning, but if you go in and translate those words, he went mad. The whole complexion changed. Old boys like this, you know, they don't like to be told, they don't, they don't like to be stood against. God's people, some of them are the same. They don't like when you stand against them. And he went into a fierce anger. And he, he says, turn up the furnace seven times hotter. They've given them the second chance and they'll not take it. I am going to start the whole procedure for them again and they'll not have it. Turn it up seven times. 
Men det var sånn at stemmen startet under. Det var noe elektrik. Så da hadde jeg et hose av boys together in stuff. Whatever they burnt in it. Piled it, piled it in till it was seven times hotter. You know something I was thinking the other day? Often when a person or a man or woman becomes furious, they become a fool. <clears throat> because the way to torment these boys wasn't to turn it up because when the number of boys, uh, the SAS, the mighty men, it says, his mighty men that, that wound them up and the hosen and the long johns and the socks and everything on them, wound them up and put them in. When they come to the door, it was that strong. It blasted every one of them. It destroyed them, barbecued them. So the way to torment these boys was not to turn it up, was to turn it down. Let them bake in it. Slowly. <laughs> but the more furious somebody gets, the more foolish he gets. And that's often the case. And he called these contingent of mighty men, the scripture says, the SAS of the day, special commanders, and the flames of the very door devoured them. And you know the story, don't you? And we're not going into this end of it this morning. And old Nebuchadnezzar was... He had the throne set up beside the furnace and beside the statue. And he could look into it and he could see there was a fourth man. He says there's a fourth man. And you know the story, don't you? Hebrews tells us he quenched the violence of fire. And the only thing that burnt off was the, was the fetters, the chains. And the friction, you know, will do that. It'll burn off all the old fetters and chains. And they were walking up and down through it. Uh, excuse me. And this seven times hotter. And a fourth man walking with them, who was the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. And let me say something. I'm not going on with this. I have, I have to apply this now. Let me say this. There was only three came out of the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar saw four in it. He stayed in the fire. Let me tell you, he'll be in it when you go into it. Do you hear that now? He'll be there when you go into it. And you'll walk with him through it. And some of you are going through fires this morning. And I wouldn't have an idea where or what, but let me tell you. The fourth man's with you. And he'll never leave you or forsake. Walking speaks of peace, you know. Walking speaks of faith. Walking speaks of joy. And walking speaks of liberty. <laughs> These boys are not crouched down in the corner with their hands over the flames coming out at all. There wasn't even the smell of smoke off them when they came out. Not even the smell of smoke. Isaiah says, when thou passest through the waters, the Red Sea, I will be with thee. And the Jordan shall not overflow thee. And the fire shall not burn thee, neither the flame quench thee. The flame kindle against thee. Now, that may have blessed you a wee bit, but maybe what I'm going to say now might not. With all the strength 
and power I can muster now in the last 10 minutes of this meeting. I want to close, because this is what drew me me to this portion. I want to close with these three words. And I want to address them personally to you, wherever you are this morning. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true that there are those of you who are here this morning and you're not saved? Is that true? I'm not worried what your mother says or your father says or your brother says or your sister says. I'm asking you this morning, eye to eye, and you be honest this morning, is it true that you're not saved? Take a wee minute and think about it. Of course, you don't have to think about it. You're not before a heathen king this morning. You're before the king of kings and the Lord of lords who looketh right into your heart, and he knows. I don't. But I'm his advocate this morning, and I'm bringing his word. And he told me to ask you, is it true? Now, forget about the the wee prayer. And I can't emphasize that enough because there's a danger in saying a wee prayer and that's all there is. A danger. I said a wee prayer and I was saved. Some people say the prayer and they get saved. Some people say it and they don't. Thank God for the sinner's prayer. But there's more to it than that, you know. There's more to it than that. Is it true this morning that you're not saved? And if you're honest and you say to me, yes, it is true, I am not saved, well, I say, thank God that you've told me that, and thank God you've told God that, because there's still time to come. Repent ye therefore and be converted now, and your sins will be blotted out. Flee to the cross this morning where Jesus bled and died for your sins. If that is true, if that is true, it may be no longer, has to be no longer true. Because there's a Savior from all sin if you'll only let him in. But if you say to me this morning, yes, it's true, but I'm going to do nothing about it today. Ah. Oh, yes, it's true. I'm not saved, but I'm not going to get saved today. Let me tell you with all the love that I can, there's a furnace 700 times hotter for you and you could be in it before night. And it'll not be the destruction of your body just like that. It'll be your soul for all eternity. And there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And you'll go down into it, my friend, and there you'll be without any hope. Oh, the rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes. He says, I'm tormented. You can't torment the body. The body was buried. They said that he was buried. We're going to bury a woman today as only the body. We'll lay her up there in Ardmore and we'll say a word over her and she's, there's only the body. That's the remains. If there's remains, there's something else. There's something after the remains or before the remains, isn't there? Well, there is a soul. 
and tormented the mind. And your mind will be tormented throughout the countless ages of eternity that you heard me preaching on the 1st of November 2020. And I asked you, was it true? And you said that it was, but you were doing nothing about it. And all eternity you'll burn in hell. That's the truth. And there's no second chance. No second chance. No music to play again. You've had your second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance, car accident, cancer, coroner, COVID, meetings, tracks, open airs. I could go on. You've had your second chance, friend. Is it true that you're not safe? Secondly, is it true that you're a backslider? Huh? Well, you just answer that yourself. Answer to God. Is it true that you used to go on well? Is it true you had a family altar? Is it true that you used to pray? Is it true that you used to praise? Is it true that you used to witness? Is it true that you used to, you used to tell others at work? Is it true? And it's all gone, and you're backslidden this morning. There's no family altar in your house, sir. You have no desire for the prayer meeting any night. Well, one of us on the Thursday night, people, well, I'm busy in the world. You're busy three nights now. Is it because you have no desire? Now, be honest before God. Now, God, give me this text. Is it true? That text jumped out at me. And then you had to apply it to myself, too. Is it true? That you have no desire for prayer, a prayer meeting. Is it true that they're a bore to you? Is it true that this meeting's a bore and you want to get home as quick as you can to the phone, to the something else? Is it true that the fire's gone and the desire's gone and the longing's gone and the hunger's gone? Is it true? Paul in Galatians says, You did run well. But who did hinder you? Not what. Who? Who? Did someone hinder you? Don't you let some man hinder you? Some woman hinder you? Some old minister, dead minister hinder you? Don't let them hinder you. You need to get the fire going again. You need to get up and get out and go through with God. Is it true? Let's come in a wee bit closer this morning. Is it true that some of you are hooked on pornography? For I believe it is. Is it true that you're watching it on the phone? Is it true when the wife goes to bed, you're tinkering at it? Is it true? Come on now, is it true or is it not? Don't stone me. Face God. Would that be the reason you don't pray? Would that be the reason you don't read? Would that be the reason you've lost interest? Or why would it not? For when you get a whack of them images into your mind, it'll take more than a wee prayer to get them out. Face God this morning. 
You need cleansing this morning. You need repentance this morning. You need to be stuck with shame and fear and guilt. And I pray every day that that will happen. For I can't do anything. Tell me, is it true that you thought of suicide? God knows, answer God. Is it true that you committed adultery, fornication? You see, you're either saved or backslidden this morning. There's no middle ground. None at all. You can't mark time in this job. There's no marking time. There's no time to mark. You're either going on or you're going back. And if you want this morning, you can come and repent before God and cry to God before you get out of that car and cry to God and say, Lord, I'm going to go change my way. I'm going to quit all this thing. I'm going to start reading and praying and praising. And getting the blessing and the victory. Oh, my dear friend, there's victory in Jesus and there's power in the blood. And these boys stood their ground. And do you know what old Nebuchadnezzar did with them? He promoted them again. (laughs) He promoted them again at the end of the chapter. Because they took their stand for God. Tell me, and I have to go now. Tell me this. Is it true that you fiddled income tax? Or the farm account books? Is that why there's no blessing? Is, a thing, is it a wee thing you put in there about a cow or a calf or a heifer and you knew, well, it's not right? And you go away and put it right. Would oh, to God with another 93 in this place when they went up them steps one after the other to the room was full at the back. Night after night, all you could hear was the stairs climbing and men and women weeping. Going to trainers and giving back stuff and going to places and giving back shovels and spades and money to shops. Would to God. Listen, I'm finished now. Our nation is at a crisis. We're at the door of the furnace. You can almost hear the flames roar. We're in dark days. Dark days seasonably, morally, spiritually, politically, and every other way. And I'm saying this from my heart this morning. November, December, and January will probably be the darkest months in this generation. Perhaps since the days of November 1940 and 1941 when Hitler was so near taking over the land. The spirit of Antichrist is at work. And I could develop that 
Very easy. The spirit of Antichrist is at work. There's controlling going on all over the place. And I'm not saying, now don't you say, I don't want to catch COVID, and I don't want anybody in this house to catch it. And I pray that you wash your hands. There's masks there if you want to wear them. But we must not bow to fear. If ever the church is needed, it's needed in this hour. If ever prayer meetings were needed, they should be back in prayer meetings, but to have no spirituality about them. Not an ounce. We're not going to run for fear from the furnace. We're not going to bow down and beg. And I'll tell you something else. We're not going to bow, I'm not going to bow down to take the vaccine if this is true. Do you hear that now? If this is true, this is, this is a, a precious life. If it's true, I don't know whether it's true, but I can't see them getting away putting this out. If it's true that they're using the DNA from aborted babies for this vaccine, then I'm not taking it on the back of a murdered child. If it's true. They can keep me passport, they can do what they like. If this is true, and there's some of them at the door, read it on the way out. I'm not going to land the last few days of my life on the back of some murdered child I'll tell you this, 7 million from 1967 have been murdered in Britain. And I'm attacked in the womb and I'm still living. There's an eye on it, CD on it, you can get it there. I'm not going to take the vaccine if this is true. Wouldn't I bow to that? It'll be promotion to the glory. Listen, friend, I have a whole lot more to say. Listen, we need the fourth man. We need the fourth man. And I believe that the fourth man, I believe that the Son of God, I believe that he's going to appear some of these days in revival. I believe it with all my heart. None his soul. And the man that's coming here tonight, Alan Bar, believes it with all his heart and all his soul. And I could get you half a dozen men across the province tonight that believe it with all their heart and soul. That God's going to revive us soon. And he's going to revive us again. The fourth man. <laughs> oh, he could appear any night. He could appear in the fire any night. He could appear tonight over in the barn. Don't miss the barn tonight. He could come tonight. But you'd be at home. Don't miss the barn tonight. He might come. He might come on Monday night here and we're gathered at the side of the river. He might come. May God help us to take our stand in these days.